Greetings programs, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 47. I'm your host Duncan Shields and returning with me today is my unwavering, honorable, and conscientious guest co-host Jack Stobold. Welcome back, Jack. Thank you. I hope I can live up to all those epithets. <laughs> Are those I'm epithets? Good, I'm a good guy. You are a good guy. I have a lot of podcasts that proves it. Yeah, right? There is uh, hard evidence out there on the airwaves. Mm. Check them out. So what happens in this minute? The tanks continue to pursue the cycles. The chase continues. I like this first first bit of the minute here. The tanks drive over the cameras as they go forward in pursuit of the cycles past the holes in the walls that they created earlier. I do like uh, they got pretty adventurous with the cameras in these sequences, which is pretty cool. Yes. Like a, lot, a lot of the bikes driving over the cameras and the tanks driving over the cameras and a lot of shots like that. Very dynamic. Strong cinematic, yo. That's right. It's a very cinematic movie. Uh, we get a shot of the interior of the tank and we see two people inside uh, one of them spinning around on the outer ring it's great to see the interior again you know like we didn't see I don't think we've seen it since Clue's Clue and uh, yeah since Clue's little attempt at infiltration at the very beginning of the film it's nice right. to see that it's, it's a welcome return to the cockpits of the inside because they could have just been sitting in chairs right they could have just been sitting in chairs beside each other or one slightly behind them but then they made this giant wild spinning set it's really cool yeah love it i'm not sure who's driving and who's manning the gun here but the the one in the spinning ring says all units exiting game arena and it's still really hard to to make out who this is i'm pretty sure it's charlie pasirny though going by what little I can see of the profile and the voice compared to the videos and pictures that I can find. So to talk a little bit about Charles Picerni, Mm -hmm. P-I-C-E-R-N-I, apparently he's a a legend and he's still working. On, uh, On IMDb, he's got 90 acting credits, 38 second unit or assistant director credits, 21 director credits, four producer credits, and a ridiculous 367 stunt credits. Wow. He's got six films in post-production right now, including Jeez. Bad Bad Boys for Life and Fast and the Furious 9 as a stunt driver. Wow, I had no idea. Me neither. He started in 1961 on the TV, sh- the Untouchables TV show, and he's b- working steadily up until the present day. Well, how he old a bunch is this of- dude? <laughs> I he's got to be getting on there if he started in '61. I mean, it's 2019. Yeah, yeah. you Jeez. know, I guess he's probably not doing the falls anymore, but he could still drive and he could still coordinate. You know, organize the stunts. Can drive. I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> right. He did some stunt coordinating. Like this, this the lineup. He did Magnum PI, Fantasy Island, Charlie's Angels, Remington Steel, The Fall Guy, Hill Street Blues, T.J. Hooker, V, Knight Rider, Airwolf, The A Team, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Simon and Simon, Saint Elsewhere, Die Hard Two, Hudson Hawk. 22 Jump Street, Nightcrawler, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, Christmas Vacation. It's ridiculous. 
it's it's shorter to list the things that he hasn't been a part of. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. It looks like if you've ever watched any TV or seen a movie at all, you've seen some of this guy's work. It's I love quite the list. Yeah, I love these guys that have been in like everything you've ever seen and you never you have no idea who they are. Like Yeah. These guys are like just like it's like I love my job. I love doing it. I don't care. Like no I they're like in everything you've ever seen, but you would never ever recognize them if you saw them on the street, you know. Yeah. You could walk right past them and you'd have you'd have absolutely zero idea that you just walked past somebody who was part of like ten of your favorite movies or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's like kind a, of the it's the strength of being like, I don't know, an author or a stunt guy or a stand in or someone behind the scenes is you can be part of all these amazing projects, but you're never gonna get mobbed on the street if yes. you're just trying to go yeah. grab a coffee or do some that, shop by your groceries or whatever. Like the only time you're gonna get recognized is like by people who know their know their stuff. That's, yeah. That's like the best kind of famous, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Not not uh yeah, like the hardcores are the ones who are like, oh, you're that guy. You're like, oh, okay. I know that you know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. You know, you recognize Because if me. you recognize me, then you have to, like, know your stuff. So you're not just, yeah. like, going to be an annoying person, like, you know what you're talking about. So it's like, yeah, cool. You know me. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, like, the ideal type of famous to me. Yeah. No, I concur. I concur. Because I think if you were like super duper actual famous, like oh, that that would be a nightmare. I think yeah. I think at first you'd love the attention, but that would wear off. I think, uh, yeah. like in two months, I'd be like, okay, enough. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. But you got to live a life of secrecy. It's no wonder it's all the you know the private jets and the, the limos and stuff. Like you're not going to get on a bus. Although I did see footage of. Uh, uh, what's his name Keanu Reeves on the subway in New York <laughs> and everybody's kind of looking at him like is this happening like <laughs> no one like no one's no one's bothering him and nobody's talking to him and I imagine probably everybody's just thinking wow that guy looks a lot like Keanu Reeves <laughs> exactly yeah you know like it can't be him he wouldn't be on the subway right yeah it's obviously not him but you know it is like oh actually it was oh geez really okay <laughs> And we get a really cool uh, dynamic extended shot here of Tron's bike zipping around a bunch of corners leading into the canyon. It's good yeah. camera work and animation here. It's, it's just considering they had to program it all in and take it all on faith pretty much until the time-consuming rendering process was committed to film for the dailies. Um, such an ambitious shot. And there's a bunch of shots like this that you're like, wow, you guys... You really, you really did it. You really went. You really went all in. So that's really cool. It's like tracking him and swooping as it goes through. And then, still in the same shot, the camera pulls up into the sky, and we can see that Tron has come to the end of a jutting, a dead end cliff. He's screeched to the end of this cliff overlooking a, a digital canyon. And uh, Flynn and Ram pull up behind him, see the situ- see the situation, and whip around in a series of cool opposing curves as Tron does a three-point turn to speed off down uh, down the path away from the mouth of the of the alley. Which is, I thought is, I was. This is the I love way. the way they move. This is the way. 
<laughs> I love the way that they all they all move around here, the way they sort of flower out and turn and then head off in the same direction. It was very well well choreographed. Oh yeah, and then we get another shot of the inside of the tank spinning around as the commander says, Target units accelerating and then another shot of the dead end cliff. And then <laughs> this is so funny that this could happen in a in a in a computer simulation because you think they'd be able to stop and turn on a dime, but <laughs> The tank speeding out of the mouth of the alley is coming out with a little too much momentum and it screeches to a skidding stop just at the edge of the cliff with a little bit of a a little comical uh, sound because it's the actual screeching of tires. It screeches as it it comes to a stop, which I'm like, I don't know if that would be the sound effect exactly, but it gets the point across, I guess. Which It's also, yeah, it's like, I, that hadn't actually occurred to me, but it's funny you mentioned that, like, the physics of the tank. The tanks, like, hitting each other. This is this is the minute where the tank bumps into the other tank and knocks it off the cliff, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... It's funny that the physics of that are so realistic, whereas the light bikes are basically making 90 degree turns at an incredible speed yeah total only in a video game physics but the tanks which are you know controlled by the people who control the system are yeah seem to be more governed by real world physics yeah you'd think they would have all the cheat codes amped up just because they're they're part of the the police force or whatever right yeah, I'm sure that uh I'm force sure is, that, like force the force is strong with Flynn and his friends. Yeah. I'm sure Flynn is looking back at these this tank collision going, Oh, a few, I'm glad I wrote them that way. You right. <laughs> like, He's a user. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh right. So yeah, the second tank comes out and it's can't stop in time. So it tries to break, but it ends up colliding with the first tank. And we get a shot of the interior as uh, rainbow sparks fly all around. I love all these rainbow yes, sparks. Yes, yes, right. I love the sparks. What one thing I love about this movie is the um, like. So we're a lot of the a lot of this minute is just pure CGI. Like it's yeah. j- just the Tron world. We're just seeing the light bikes zooming yeah. through this digital world. And then, um, I love the contrast between that and then when we see in the side of the tank where they're filming basically a live action thing, but trying to make these actors in suits in a set look like a video game, which is like, yeah. um, the opposite of what we're trying to do effects wise in a lot of movies where we're trying to make yeah. something that is digital look real. And this, yeah. they're trying to make something real look digital. Yeah, that's a good point. Which I think is really cool. And I like I like what they're doing, like, inside the tank. Like, it's just a bunch of things lit up to make it look like a video game. But it's clearly all, like, a live-action thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just shaking the camera around and... Yeah, throw in some like reflective pieces of paper that they'll like make glow and post or whatever, and the right. characters are all shaking around. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's and a then, lot of yeah, with it's a lot of like uh, painting the cell, right? 
I think. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That's like all the live action scenes are basically they're doing the same thing the way they did the lightsabers in the original Star Wars is basically yeah. they just painted them in on every single cell. Yeah, just get these talented, experienced effects animators to just go in there and, you know, gussy up all the frames on the cell. Yeah. It's really it's really cool and I'm yeah, I just I I love that idea of trying to actually make something look digital that is real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And then we get a third tank coming out of the alley. Um and it stops in time, but the first tank flips over entirely. It just kind of screeak falls <laughs> off the edge. Oh yeah, I love how you see it begin to explode, but they just like cut away right away. Like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I guess it might be the same thing as why the recognizers didn't explode in the last minute because it's it's expensive to actually expensive. do <laughs> yeah sh- shrapnel and stuff like that. You so, know, like yeah. so it, it's implied it, more than seen. Yeah, yeah, like it fell off the cliff and it's face down when it lands, so it glows white for just a just a, yeah. a few frames before we cut, but. That's uh, pretty good. And then that Wendy Carlos music, bang, just really starts to swell at this moment, yes. which is really cool. Uh, and I um, I, I absolutely just love, uh, like, the, um, the tanks, like, especially the upper part, like the cannon part, where it's, yeah. they have red outlines around. I love the idea of outlines on a 3d object yeah yeah that is so visually appealing to me it's something that you try to hide when you're doing like when you're making a computer model you want the you want the lines to there want you want there to be enough facets so that it looks smooth well if you're trying to do a living person or whatever right but with this they're like they actually want make to the look. lines it make the lines glow like this is this is where the polygons are with a nice yeah with a nice I love glow that. around it I love oh, it's that. beautiful it's beautiful it's such yeah. a strong design choice oh these minutes you gave me are amazing i love them like visually <laughs> this is this is so this is my bag awesome awesome uh then we get the a shot of the interior of tank number two spinning around again and the tank commander says pursuit force minus one tank close ranks <laughs> and this is definitely eric cord i looked i looked him up and okay. the faces i can see this is definitely eric cord this guy's got 32 credits as an actor here and there we had an angry citizen in robocop 2 a thug in an, <laughs> uh stng episode uh Ooh. the the big goodbye that that stng episode i'm not oh, sure yeah yeah that's the uh dixon hill oh yeah okay Picard, then, Picard oh, Soldic oh, Fantasies. Oh, okay. All right, oh, yeah, so. all right. All right. No, I love that episode. That's like one of the good season one episodes. Cause oh, season okay. Episode. It's season, season one. All right. Season, season one of TNG is pretty dire. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the most part. But this was a good one, eh? Yeah. Yeah. All That's right. The, cool. uh, Picard is the, you know, hard-boiled detective. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, so like this guy was like probably uh yeah one of the thirties thug, right. uh, or something. Pretty sure I know exactly who he is. I'm, it's, oh, cool! Right on. Yeah, it's flown. 
Nice. He's uh, he was a lab assistant in Total Recall. Oh man, and like he, it's another guy. I've I've seen him a million times. Never uh, knew. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> the guy. You're like, oh wait, I know this guy. Yeah, exactly. He was in the like the Sword and the Sorcerer. I think. <laughs> We might have gone over this guy's stuff before, but he's got he's got 132 stunt credits, with his last one being in 2016. He's got a very distinctive face, and this is definitely him here in this well lit shot, which I, I was good to see because the other shots there's like tons of light and like bloom going on, so you can't really make out features. But this is like, oh yeah, that's the guy. But I also like how diplomatic he's being here. He's just like, <laughs> like one one tank is gone. You know, like no mention that like I'm the guy that ran into that other tank and pushed it <laughs> off the edge. <laughs> it's like serious accident, my fault, my bad. You know, he's just like, "Yep, uh, one tank just mysteriously disappeared, and we're the pursuit is continuing." I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. So the bike takes a series of corners on this narrow cliff ledge as they yes. get further and further away from the tanks. This is zipping so in and out of canyon walls. Yeah, so it's really cool. so video game, so which, video game. Yeah, which yeah we were talking before about oh like why are the tanks like so attached to real world physics, whereas the light bikes are like total video game physics. But it makes sense if you're the player because you know I, I there's a lot of Nintendo games where it's like you just press the B button, you just have that timing exact right moment you can do like crazy turns or whatever whereas the enemy characters follow real world physics because you don't control them yeah yeah that's true that's true that makes a bit of sense for sure and it's also kind of like i guess somewhat real world in terms of motorcycles you know yeah also a a hurricane and a tank like hairpin turn yeah yeah, one's going to be nimble and one's going to have a lot of momentum, but it is co- it's kind of interesting that they didn't give the tanks that kind of ability to just okay, switch to flight mode, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, but why why can't a tank just transform into uh, what are they called? The um glider the, or a hydrofoil or a, a recognizer? Uh, no, the the recognizer, right. Like, yeah. There's yeah. no reason they couldn't in this world that would be right. such that would be such a cool moment if they're like well they've left the grid okay transform into recognizer yeah, and just exactly <laughs> unfold into recognizers and you're like oh no oh sh- <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so good what is it uh there was one thing that was kind of interesting that was on the creator's commentary was that because the communication with the computer animation department had to be like crystal clear these storyboards would be done like after they were done to the satisfaction of the director they'd have to be done from the front the back the top the side and the bottom with like clear depictions of where the camera would be just to make double triple sure that there was absolute clarity for the animators about what was needed right and this was like the first time that any that that was that that style of storyboards was ever done like yeah like Tron is probably inventing a lot of things. Yeah. Like they had to... That's, it's a unique movie. Like, this is the first of its kind in a lot of ways. Yeah, I was thinking... It's like a... 
it was like a groundbreaking like flashpoint start of something that didn't start yes <laughs> you know they invented all these processes that just got scrapped and didn't ever get used or fleshed out or whatever afterwards because it didn't do that well and it wasn't until 10 years later that they started actually sort of making using the lessons that yeah or just using the lessons that they learned here and producing other movies yeah it's it's a shame like um on my other podcast there's a recently they came out with the cgi uh star trek episodes like an eight minute short trek episode and it's just it was very derivative it was very like very much like a you know like a run-of-the-mill dreamworks type of like children's cgi movie okay and um me and the guy i had with the guest i had on my buddy um we just talked about like how the like cgi animation has so much potential there's so many things you could do with it yeah studios just settled into like a very small rut of like like the potential is amazing yeah, and, yet, it's, and it's, yet, yet we're like they're all like kind of one genre almost. Well, the thing is, is that animation. I mean, technology, imagination is something that I don't think. There's a guy I know who goes around the world talking about the importance of imagination, and he talks mm-hmm. about inventions, and he talks about the thing about imagination is, is that usually a brilliant person will think of the finished product first Mm. this is this is what i need and then he'll go about trying to practically reverse engineer how to make that thing that he's picturing possible right right so that imagination in the first place is is what's needed but i think there's also another side of things where you can see a computer application or something and then go whoa i could use that for like 200 different things you know like I, i could do so many cool things with that with that thing that the person who made it or whatever is like, really? Why? Uh, okay. I guess so. <laughs> like they create it for one thing, but it's got yeah. applications that are all over the place. So it's, it's a shame that the, I know what you're saying about a lot of CG films, just looking like they're all produced by the same production house. It's just, they, they're all becoming a little homogenous, yeah, they'll, they'll but have you can like do the, anything. They all have like the same character design kind of, you know, like, yeah, I, like Pixar is yeah. great. Like yeah, Pixar is the best, and but um, yeah, a lot of them, it, they're just like all the like storyline wise and the types of things they're telling. That's all very conventional. They're not like taking advantage of the form. Like this is something you could only do with this medium. Yeah, but that but they're not doing that. They're doing things that could easily be done in another medium, like hand drawn yeah. animation, for example. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll we'll see where things go, right? You know, because every yeah. once in a while something comes along, and sure. uh, something will something will come along to to change the change the dialogue, change the conversation with this kind of stuff. One thing that's interesting is that in the um, screenplay 
the scene of the one tank pushing the other tank off the cliff. It's not in the screenplay. Really? It's not in the... So that's kind of interesting. I think it would have taken a lot of planning, and it seems like it would fit in with the comedic moments that they had planned earlier on in production. But I don't know how... If it's not in the screenplay, I don't. it's not something they could do last minute. It's not something they could just say, hey, you know what? Why don't we do this? Because everything's got to be so meticulously planned out. So I wonder at what point did that uh, did that beat end up in the film? Yeah, that's interesting that it's not in the script. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, pretty be, big moment, right? Because in live action, you could just kind of wing these things, do a thing, but like, if it's you know a CGI thing like this that takes a tremendous amount of planning and time to do, so yeah, had to be added in there, you know, long before they finish the film you know yeah like way before with all the storyboarding and stuff that would be needed so right yeah who knows i know who knows the director probably remembers <laughs> but so far we'll see if maybe one day i'll get him on the show that would be that would be a coup that oh would be my god amazing do it try do I'll it him, I'll, I'll reach out do it rise <laughs> rise <laughs> oh nice that was perfect all right, well, I guess that takes us up about to the min- end of minute 47 there. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, you've told you've told people where to find you before, so um, I guess we can do another a recap of that at the end of the next minute. And if you want to get in touch with us, tronologicallyspeaking.com or tronologicallyspeaking on email or Twitter or Facebook, the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page. Uh, Pond5 was where I got the music at the beginning. Pond5.com is where I got the, the music for the beginning and the end. And uh, moviesbyminutes.com. Go there and check out the huge list of movies that have already been done. And have fun. Listen your ears off. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful community. Well, a lot of great movies have been done. Do you want to try a little end of line on three? Mm-hmm. All right. One, two, three. End of, End of life. Oh, we're nailing it. We're nailing it. Oh, so good.